Welcome to the Tap Room Exclusive. I'm Dean Zarbaugh. I'm with Leslie Basala McCafferty. Did I did I pronounce the middle name right? That is 100% correct. Awesome. Thank you. I want to make sure. And Brian McCafferty, how are you today? Uh, thank you for joining me. We are uh, here at uh, Working Class Brewery. We are enjoying a couple, couple beers uh, while we talk. You guys do the Cleveland Brew Bus. Is that correct? That is correct. And so this is a really cool idea. Uh, I When I first started the show, your name was, uh, Leslie, was one of the first names that popped up in a lot of research. I think you did a, you were speaking at like, did you do a thing at Grafton Library? I did. I actually did two talks there uh, back in March and April. Okay, yeah, that's right, right about when I started started the show and getting into and getting around uh, to know a lot more people and your name was one of the first people that popped up and it sounded like a really cool class so you go you go around you have a lot of knowledge of the northeast ohio craft beer world and the history of it what what was it that about beer that got you into it so do you want like the full story or do you want the reader's digest version? uh whichever version you feel comfortable giving go full story so um I guess if you want to, if you need to know one thing about the kind of person I am, it's that uh, if I am into something, I can't just like it and just enjoy it at face value. That's uh-huh. not how I'm wired. Uh, my dad's the same way. If I like something, I feel absolutely driven to become an expert on it. Okay. Um, so I'm about I'm I'm 41. Just turned 41 a couple months ago, um, or actually a couple weeks ago. And uh, my father got into the kind of first wave of craft beer back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s in a really big way. And um, so whenever, you know, Christmas, birthday time came around, I would end up buying him books about beer, which because I'm intellectually curious, I would end up reading. Uh And then uh, my mom signed him up for a beer of the month club when I was about 19 or 20. And he knew I had a little curiosity about this kind of stuff. So he would... um, generously let me have uh, one beer out of each of the two six packs you got in the okay. mail every month. And uh, so I got to try a lot of really amazing beers that did not have anything resembling Cleveland distribution when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And uh, that fascination just kind of stayed with me. It's something I've always been into. You know, throughout college, I would go up to like the local, uh, you know, beverage store that did the mix of six on Monday. And I uh-huh. try like 12 different beers every Monday with my boyfriend and, um, just continually uh, helped to educate myself on it, and then through a series of service industry jobs later, worked my way into working in a brewery. Oh, nice. Um, what were what were some of those books that? Do you remember any of those books? I, I got I just started buying a lot of books myself because that's been my thing. I, I, I got the craft beer bible, all that kind of stuff. Do you remember anything that you, that you were? That sticks out in your mind? Well, it was like 20 years ago, so not specific titles, but definitely like some of Michael Jackson's books, things mm. like that. Um, and, and so now you've been around the, the beer industry now a while. It, talk about a little bit. I mean, we know it's grown exponentially from 88, let's say, right around when Great Lakes started. Uh, it's, you know, really boomed out. What, what's... What's been like one of the biggest like shifts? Like, talk about the big industry boom. Like, what really helped, um, you know, energize this industry, especially here in Northeast Ohio? Well, I think a lot of it kind of comes down to changing patterns of consumption. Um, if you kind of think about the way people have gone about not just what they drink, but what they eat uh, in the last 20 years or so, you've really seen a shift from. America being sort of a, you know, meat and potatoes, 
fast food Applebee's kind of society to people being more and more interested in trying all kinds of different uh, gourmet and ethnic cuisines, focusing so much more on going to independent restaurants instead of chains and fast food places. And I feel like the patterns of beverage consumption have kind of gone the same way. Um, you know, there are plenty of people out there who are still perfectly happy to eat nothing but Applebee's and Taco Bell and drink right. Bud Light. Uh, but, you know, you've definitely seen a demographic shift of people being much more open-minded and willing to try new flavors uh, in terms of what they eat, in terms of what they drink. And that's that that's not just beer. That's wine. That's liquor. That's everything. So I think that's been a big uh, part of the shift. Um, and I think there's also, I, this is one of the things I talk about a lot of times on our tours, I think there's also been a consciousness of locality. Um, right. You know, people who are interested in supporting independent businesses don't want to just support small guys. They want to support the guys that are in their backyard. Um, and so I think that's really helped to to fuel the, uh, the, the craft beer movement as well. People want to go and purchase beer from the guy who made it mm-hmm. and be able to, to shake hands with that person and, and share their feedback. You know, and, and that's, that's a lot like me, you know, I like, I, a lot of people come in, uh, I work in the beer industry as a day job. And so I, I deal with a lot of people coming in and asking for stuff. And I, I find myself having mostly been drinking local Ohio beers and so a lot of people come in there's so many things out there there's so many options out there these days I'd prefer if I know my money's going back into my community that's a big thing for me and so I've I really enjoy this scene I I tell people my dad traveled to Florida recently and everybody talks about Cigar City and and High Lie and how great the IP it's a great IPA don't get me wrong but I think we're so spoiled with an IPA market up here in Cleveland that something like that, it's good as it is in this market, is just it, it just kind of it goes under the radar, and 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 it just speaks to the quality of this scene. I I, I can't find stuff that I'm as excited about as the stuff here in in Cleveland. Um, you you started here. You grew up here. What is it about Cleveland that seems to be this this mecca of of craft beer recently? Well, I think it's reflective of what's going on in, in the entire country. You know, everywhere is blowing up. Um, from little teeny tiny towns to big metropolises. I mean, the, if you look at just the numbers that the, the Brewers Association calculates, you know, I think we're on par to hit 7,000 breweries in the United States this year, which is insane That's considering nuts. that, like, only three years ago, it just finally surpassed the uh, you know the historic mark of like four thousand one hundred. So wow, it's just it's just growing absolutely exponentially, and it's not just here. Um, but I do think Cleveland is a beer drinking town. We're a working class town, um, broad shouldered people of a lot of um, extraction, a lot of ethnic extraction from beer drinking cultures. There's a lot of Germans and Poles and Czechs and Irish in this town. Going with um, the quality of the beer that we have, the the beer we have, I think the biggest thing is the lake, Lake Erie yeah. itself, yeah. is a great big point. important because the, the mineral content of Lake Erie is just so important on, on making a good beer. You really can't find that kind of mineral content that, unless they add things to the water right. in, in some, somewhere like Florida. So. A very nice, that's a very nice point. 
um, it, it is often called our greatest resource, and within re- and with great reason. You know, there's there's so much that comes that comes from our from our lake. And what what inspired you guys to do the brew tour, like on a bus going around to do all these these breweries? It's a, such a cool idea. It gets people you know out to try a lot of new things, a lot of places they might not have tried before. And, and you also educate them along the way. So, like, what was the inspiration behind doing that? Well, to be 100% uh, honest, we were actually the second owners of the company. Um, so a little of our backstory. Uh, I actually, most recently, prior to doing the brew bus, was front of house manager at Market Garden Brewery from uh, 2012 oh, nice. to 14. And the original owners of the brew bus, a couple uh, from Strongsville named Bob and Shelley Campbell, they started it around 2013, right about the middle of my tenure there and uh, I had kind of become the de facto sort of beer education tour guide person at Market Garden during that that juncture Um, I was the only one of the front house front of house managers who really liked like talking to large groups of people Uh, (laughs) it's it's a very specific (laughs) skill to have not a lot of people like doing it exactly Uh, so whenever brew bus groups would come through there in those early days I was the one who would be taking those groups back into the little 10 barrel brew house there at the brew pub and just kind of breaking the brewing process down into layman's terms explaining malt hops mashing Mm -hmm. loudering all that stuff and, and talking a little bit about uh, the history of that company as well. At uh, Towards the end of my time there, I was kind of um, reaching a point where, you know, I'd been in the service industry for about 10 years. I was getting a little worn out of uh, managing restaurants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot it of hours. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And so I had decided uh, just prior to the holidays, 2013, that I was going to leave there in the spring. And I just happened to approach Bob, the then owner of the brew bus, about, uh, you know, hey, do you, uh, you guys expanding? Do you need some help? Um, you know, I'm thinking about getting out of here. I think I'd make a good tour guide. Um, and first he was like, oh, no, 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 no. We cannot take you. We have way too good a relationship with Market Garden. If they think we poached you, they're oh, ne- never going to okay, let us yeah, come back. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a worry. I can see how they'd be concerned about that. And then I was like, dude, I'm quitting one way or another. And <laughs> And he's like, well, in that case, yes, we totally need help. So the way it kind of panned out with those guys was that um, they had kind of started this as sort of a little hobby business, a little something they were doing on the side. I think the idea was they would eventually expand once they retired and make it into more of a full-time job. Okay. Uh, The problem was neither of them were retired yet. Gotcha. So she's teaching full-time, like third grade in North North Olmsted Public Schools. I think it's third grade. I don't remember. Mm. He had actually retired, but then got brought back on with the corporation he was working for as a consultant overseeing like a really major national uh, project. So he was traveling all over the country Monday through Friday. They'd be, he'd be getting back into town and just exhausted. And so she would end up being the one giving all the tours on the weekend, even though the brew bus was really his baby. Oh, okay. And so I think it was having maybe, uh, in addition to just taking up a lot of their time, maybe even having a little bit of a negative impact on their marriage. Yeah. So we kind of stepped in at just the right moment. I, uh, I, I volunteered my services as a tour guide. I threw, uh, I threw Brian into the mix here. I was like, hey, my husband has a CDL. He could drive. Um, there you go. So we kind of became a package deal. We started giving tours for them in like 2014. Uh, she she was nice enough to consult with me before that. <laughs> yeah, he does have to watch all these people drink and not get to participate. Yeah, that's, that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. I do that in my day job. That's what I do all day. So. It's, it's it's a tough job. It's it's really tough. 
Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, early 2013, we started giving the tours. Within a couple of months, I saw that like the pe- the other people that they had helping them just like didn't know what they were doing. Like they had their son's girlfriend like answering the phones and doing like the um, the itineraries. And she's from Canton. She didn't know her way around the city at all. So like tours would be bouncing like from one side of town to another oh, and then back. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd just be not lo- efficient. Yeah, I'd be looking at this going, this is dumb. <laughs> So finally, like, so a couple months later, I think like by May of 14, it was like, Bob, give me the phone, give me the laptop, let me do the booking, let me Mm -hmm. be the one setting the reservations up with the breweries. I know all these people anyway. And so a couple months after that, it was, they were just like, hey, do you want to take the the company over? And it was kind of a no brainer. We were pretty much running the whole show anyway. Right. And, um, you know, for my part, you know, I, uh, I, Besides the fact that, I mean, this is a lot of this is actually sort of the same stuff that's in my opening spiel when we give the tours, by the way. Um, For my part, I mean, not only do I love just talking about beer, educating people about these breweries, educating people about beer styles and history, uh, I really like to think of myself and Brian as being ambassadors, not just for Cleveland beer, but for Cleveland as a whole. We Mm -hmm. love the city. We're very passionate about it as a place. We see so much potential here. And so many of our clientele are people from out of town or they're people who live out in the suburbs who come into the city like once a year. And to be able to, to show like all of this great stuff that is going on, um, you know, it's, it, it makes us feel like we're doing some good. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I went to college in Florida. I lived in Los Angeles for about five years. Uh, and the last year I was in L.A., I, got, I started getting really homesick for Cleveland and I don't know what it is about the city but it really drew me back and it was about a year ago that the craft beer scene really kind of took me over I actually at Market Garden uh, I got to go on a tour and learn probably the spiel you were doing uh, and just that one tour really sparked this whole this whole thing it's a, it's a really fun industry that, that we're in um, and, and, you know, so like talk a little bit more about the brew bus and, and what it is, where, how do people get in touch with you and how do people like book it? And cause I, I, am I right? If you, if you have a party of eight or more, you, you can kind of choose the breweries within reason. So, uh, we have, uh, we have about like seven different routes that we offer. You can see them all right online at clevelandbrewbus.com. Um, and within a lot of our routes, uh, we have a little bit of variability, but kind of kind of uh, backtracking. So uh, basic gist of our tours is that all of our tours uh, visit three different breweries per trip. We get a guided sampling of four beers at each location. Uh, generally, those beers are selected, kind of curated by uh, me and or people at the brewery kind of working together to show off a, you know, what they do best, what makes mm-hmm. them unique, maybe what they've won awards for, or have had a lot of buzz about recently. And of course, to mix it up as much as possible stylistically. So you're not getting 12 IPAs over right. the course of the tour. Um, one of our big goals is always to get people sort of out of their little individual drinking boxes. So if you're that IPA guy, you know, yeah, you're going to get to, you're going to, we're going to make you drink some wheat beers and some Pilsners and some Good. stouts and so on. Uh, if, if you're that, if you're that stout guy, yeah, sorry, you're going to have a lager, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
that's kind of the basic the basic setup of the tour. Always three breweries, always four samples per location. Uh, at each stop, as people are sampling these beers that we're selecting for them, either me or one of our other tour guides or somebody from the brewery is going to be kind of explaining those samples, um, giving tasting notes, style, history, uh, story behind whatever silly name the brewery gave the beer, yeah. if we know it, or why they chose to brew that particular style. Um, at least one location we try to get you behind the scenes to see the brewing equipment, learn a little bit about the process, get a better like feel for how beer is made. And uh, while it's not included in the ticket price, we do always include time at at least one stop for people to eat, too, since we are feeding you 60 ounces of craft beer over right. the tour, which is plenty for most people. Yeah, that's almost a half gallon of beer. One of the fun things is also talking about the building itself mm-hmm. or the brewer, where right. we came from, and the history behind the building. There's so many great buildings that we have in town that have stories behind them. Great Lakes, uh, you know, I, yeah. I did Great Lakes on the show. I, I talked to Mark uh, Mark Hunger. I talked to Steve Foreman. I talked to, to Bridget Barrett, the, the executive vice president of oh, yeah. marketing, and, uh, and, and, and Michael. And it was really cool to hear that story, and, and that was actually the first day when I went to Market Garden, we also did Great Lakes, and they talked about Elliot Ness sitting at the bar, and and the the original uh, at like the side of the building has the original name, like it was a bar, but it was like uh, for medicinal purposes or whatever. I think that's a, that that is what really drew me to a lot of. I'm a huge history buff. Absolutely, and there is so much history here. It's uh, you know we're lucky that we live in a city that has like like a long, deep, rich brewing history where it's not just something that's kind of popped up in the last 10 years. You know, we had this, we had 30 breweries here prior to Prohibition. Right. And, you know, I, I brought home, uh, you know, uh, Double Wing does POC now, and I brought home one of those. My dad's 73, and he he saw that, and he, was, he did a double take, like, wait a minute, POC? Wait, wait they, that's back? And, you know, he was just, it, just the idea that they're bringing old, old recipes back even. Is is really cool. Just a lot of the fun stuff that that this that this industry is doing. What's been some of your favorite trends that you've been seeing pop up uh, lately? There's there's just been it, it seems like the every almost every couple months there's some sort of new trend coming along. Um, whether it's New England IPAs, which are fantastic, or uh, big bodied ABV beers, or you know, it's always it's something. To me, like, uh, trends are fun. You know, people obviously uh, want to hear about what's happening and new and exciting in the industry. Uh, I don't like to think of myself particularly as a trend chaser. Um, I'm always happy when we're at a brewery, you know, that does something like New England IPAs really well. Mm. If we're going to Masthead, obviously, we're going to be serving some New England IPAs. Absolutely. Like a pastry stout. That's one of the places I like to recommend for that style yeah if we're going to you know bottle house or hansa yeah they're gonna get like a kettle sour yes you know um so we definitely like to highlight those breweries that do those things well but i honestly kind of like to again you know i'm trying to show off sort of the depth and breadth and scope of what craft beer can be um so i'm not always going to just go after like the big trends i'm going to make sure that like oh hey this this place has a schwarz beer like that's a really underrated style everybody should try schwarz beer yes you know, things like that. Um, in terms of, I, 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 so I don't really, in terms of trends, I think what's more interesting um, over whatever, you know, the latest hot beer style is, is kind of more the approach that breweries are taking to their business. Okay. Um, I really like the emergence that we've seen in the last year or so of sort of the casual neighborhood tap room. 
Um, that's yeah. not, you know, it's not the full service Great Lakes Fatheads model of brew pub restaurant mm-hmm. where you sit down at a four top table and you have a server taking care of you. Uh, but where it's, you know, a place like we're, we're sitting here at Working Class Brewing, Brewery, you know, it's a small neighborhood joint. They're not trying to go toe to toe with Great Lakes or Fatheads for cooler space. They're trying to be a, uh, a hub for their neighborhood. Um, they're collaborating with other small businesses to provide food for their guests because they don't have a kitchen. So they're bringing in pop-up kitchens and food trucks and stuff like that. Um, I think that's really where the future of the industry is right now. I think we've, we've reached maybe a little bit of a tipping point for big distributing breweries. Like there's just not that much room for that many more. When you look oh at, yeah. When you look at the limited, you know, shelf space and cooler space That's available in retailers. That's my day job. And yeah. every day it seems like I have to cut something new in or find a way to put this beer on the shelf. Exactly. So I think like there's a really great niche for small neighborhood breweries that aren't like trying to be the next big guys. Places like here, places like Terrestrial, Noble Beast, Brick and Barrel, Hansa. Um, you know, those are the places that to some degree we really like hanging out to because we can only get their beer there for the most part. Right. And, and that's all, like you were saying earlier, going to the source for the, for the product is always, it's always a good feeling. Uh, you were talking about the, uh, you know, your tours and spreading the wealth as far as styles go. Uh, what's been kind of the feedback as far as, you know, someone, let, let's say, who's mainly an IPA drinker? What, have, what has been the feedback as far as getting to try these new styles and stuff, get, stepping out of their comfort zone? Have people been really receptive to this? It seems like, for me, I don't try to stick to one style. I like IPAs, but I, there's also a time where I'm just tired of them. So I like stepping out. This seems like a really good idea. Has that seemed to have been the, the trend uh, going around? It seems to be a bit of a, a um, stepping I, out of the box, but it's also it's, it's the it's the sample size, so it's like at least finish the damn beer. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's because only we, a five-ounce sample. Yeah, it's it's included in the price. Like, yeah, you've already paid for it. Yeah, exactly. But but it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, it's kind of different. But, yeah, I wouldn't drink a lot of them. Yeah, I'd say it, I'd say it depends on the person, too. You yeah, know, you've got absolutely. your people who are, are game. They're willing to try anything. They're happy. There's going to be some things they don't Taste like and they don't finish. Exactly. And I tell people that all the time. I always say nobody's palate is right or wrong everybody's Absolutely. is individual you're gonna get once in a great while you know that like super beer snob who's just not mm-hmm. interested in trying anything other Absolutely. than what they like and they're just they're just not gonna have a good time on our tours period and they're gonna be the ones with their arms crossed looking at me like what are you gonna tell me <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> but for the mo- yeah, for yeah. the most part people respond well and you know here and there there's just there's gonna be something you know like sours you know a lot of our a lot of our uh, a lot of our clientele are not what I would call hardcore beer nerds. They're, okay. they're beer dilettantes. They, gotcha. You know, they, know they, they like a little bit of craft beer. They enjoy it, but they don't really know much about it. And so every now and then you'll put something like that in front of somebody that's just totally out of the realm of anything they've had before. And they just kind of can't wrap their mind around it. And I always say, don't give up on it on the first sip. Like, try a few more sips before you... you maybe your palate will acclimate to it. Maybe you'll get into it. But inevitably, there's going to be, you know, something like a sour or a smoked beer or something barrel aged mm. or whatever it might be that people are just like they just can't get there. And that's OK. Yeah, absolutely. There, You know, uh, if we all like the same kind of beer, there'd only be one kind of beer. That's what my dad likes to say about cigars. You know, he also likes to say if you like Ripple, it's a good wine. <laughs> so, you know, what you like is what you like. Uh, no one can tell you right or wrong. 
But uh, for me, even if I don't like the sours, like I don't dislike sours. I have an appreciation for them. I think there's a specific space for them. And while I may not specifically like it, there's an appre- I have an appreciation of the style. And I think that's what this industry has helped give me is an appreciation for styles that I might not personally drink. Uh, there's a few sours that I like. If I go to if I go for a sour, I'm going to probably like a Jackie O's or something like that. I, I really like Jackie O's uh, sour program. Uh, there's a lot of great sour programs in Ohio. Uh, I I think Urban Artifacts Urban finally Artifact. finally getting up up here a little yeah. bit more. Um, I'm going to finally start securing them on my shelves. Finally, uh, Little really Fish is excited. awesome too. I've heard very good things about Little Fish. I have not had anything from Little Fish yet, but that is one I'd really want to get to. Um, also down in Athens, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but I always still I always tell people who come in, because we have a growler station at, at my store. You can come in and, and try samples of draft, and we always try to keep a few different styles on. There's always an IPA, but there's always a whole bunch of different stuff on the other sides. I, that's the main thing I try to tell people is, if you don't like it, don't don't poo-poo on the style. You don't like it. There's a difference between you not liking it and it being a quote-unquote bad beer. Exactly. And that that's another thing I try to kind of teach people. I always you know, if you're not if you're not like obviously a hardcore beer geek, you're not going to, you know, follow BJCP guidelines or whatever <laughs> when you when you analyze when you're kind of evaluating a beer. But I always try to explain the the uh, the uh, the sort of analogy that I use with our guests is I always try to explain it like judging a dog show. Okay. It's always like, okay, so if you're the judge of like, you know, the uh, the American Kennel Club dog show, you're uh, you're not picking the dog you think is cutest or right you know, most appealing, you're picking the dog that best represents that particular breed. And said so every beer has kind of, every beer style has kind of a set of parameters, a guideline. And so you have to evaluate your beer, even if it's not to your palate, uh, based on like, is this a good example of the style? Is it clean? Does it, you know, is, does it taste weird? Does it have off flavors? Is If it's an IPA, you know, is it dry and hop forward and, and you know, have some nice pine or citrus notes or whatever it might be? If it has like some weird residual sweetness, like yeah, that might not be a very good example of the style, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad just because you don't like that particular style. Right. Uh, I've uh, I've I've really enjoyed talking to you about about beer. What outside of just like reading these books that you, maybe you got your dad and stuff? Like, where have you accumulated your knowledge? Because you're. Every time I talk to somebody, you're the name that pops up as far as knowledge of beer industry and and knowledge of beer. Uh, help me a little bit because I really try. I'm I'm new to this journey. Uh, you know a billion times more than I do, and I'll happily admit that. And uh, like, help me learn more. Like, what what did you do to really be able to like break down flavors and just learn about the history just reading trying stuff what was it if i may before that um she's very correct and and she has to know everything about everything if she really enjoys something i know that feeling very well yes and the whole thing is it's like she just she just needs she cannot just let it go and, and and she needs to 
really follow it through. <laughs> yeah, follow through. Yeah, follow I'm, I'm, I know exactly how that is. And her parent, her poor parents had to put up with this, and I'm grudgingly putting up with this, but I love, <laughs> I love it though. Because, oh, God. <laughs> well, I, it's a little, I guess it's a, a little column A, a little column B. You know, definitely a lot of it has been reading, just continually. Um, you know, following beer blogs and, you know, I've, I've on my Facebook, one of the first things that I, you know, you can kind of pick like what you see first. Like I have one of my first things that comes up is not only all the local breweries posts, but like Paste magazine, I think like Paste's mm-hmm. craft beer coverage is excellent. So I'm always reading all of their little top rankings of different styles. Um, so reading is definitely a big part of it. But I think really the most important things are tasting, uh, just going around, you know, hitting as many craft beer bars and breweries as you can wherever you are, whether you're local, whether you're traveling, trying lots of different things, Uh, you know, getting together with those friends who are doing bottle shares and trying out some of that stuff. And, you know, for my, for my part, luckily being so ensconced in the industry, I know all the brewers too. So Mm -hmm. I can pick their brains. I can, you know, I can sample something and go, what hops did you use in this? What, what yeast strain is this? Right. You know, and, and kind of, get intimate with their processes and i think there's so much you can learn that way you know mike uh mike roder one of the owners of uh, catawba island brewing company he uh when i interviewed him he told me because that was a little earlier on in my in my show and still getting my my palate going i was kept asking him these questions and he, he go he just asked me he goes what do you taste and he goes if you taste burnt pickle tell me you taste burnt pickle like you're not wrong but just say it because that's how you that's really how you learn uh, like flavor profiles and stuff whose tongue is the same exactly and yeah and I I think uh, coming from a background in the restaurant industry that's helped me a lot too because I know a lot about food and recipes and cooking and so I'm able to kind of identify corollary culinary flavors Mm -hmm. so that would be big yeah yeah uh i my biggest thing right now is is the aromas i i don't know how to do that i can't break down aromas i don't know what it is i just i have a bad septum i guess i don't know what it is but it's interesting how aromas are different than the actual taste right you pick up a beer and you smell this floral um citrusy kind of taste but then you taste the beer and it's like but then sometimes it's like well the beer should have, have, have sat a little longer before they canned it or before it was brought out here in right right yeah it, it's a very it's a very crazy uh in my nose anyway yeah. absolutely no i don't i don't have a great nose well so. there is also i believe biological evidence i'm just saying that uh female palates yes. are much more sensitive and nuanced than male palates i, I would I agree, agree with, with that, that. yep I would 100% agree with that. Um, I'll have to find sourcing for that and get back to it. But I, I know I've read <laughs> that Please, please no, cite this episode. Your sourcing is your nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, you know. Well, except uh, this time of year when I'm totally afflicted with allergies and can't smell anything. Oh, yeah. This this time of year really st- And then especially now because it's been fluctuating between 60 and 85 uh, day to day. Yeah, I was joking that we're on third summer today. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's been crazy. Uh you you also started doing the the Cleveland the the brew bus the history tours. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and how how does that differ than from your regular tours? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really 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 excited about our history tours. Um, so, like I said, our standard tours it's 
really focused on the beer tasting, on checking out the breweries, learning about you know the current occupants, their history, and kind of about the current Cleveland beer scene and really exposing people to lots of different styles of beer. Uh, the history tours have a very different focus. Um, I am the co-author of a book called uh, Cleveland Beer History and Revival in the Rust Belt, along with my friend Peter Shikarian, who if you've taken the Great Lakes tour, you might have met him because he's actually one of the tour guides over there nowadays. Oh, okay. Um, but... So I have a you know a fairly strong background in uh, in local beer history, and Brian is quite a history buff himself. Um, he knew quite a quite a bit more uh, early on than I did about like some of the history of like early beer gardens in Cleveland and things mm. like that. So um, I've always wanted to find a way to kind of interpret the contents of the book uh, a little bit into more of a tangible experience for our guests. So. We're running the history tours um, Sunday afternoons. We're just going to do it for the next uh, month or so because they do include uh, some walking portions, and we oh, all yeah. We, yeah we all know we're what weather there. yeah we all know yeah. what weather in Cleveland does mid November. We'll so. start back in uh, mid June probably. <laughs> yeah, so my plan right now is to kind of run this through the middle of November um, and then maybe pick it back up starting around April next year. Yeah. Uh, but the way these tours work is a little different. They, um, we meet in Market Square Park right across from the West Side Market. Um, and if you're not aware, like Ohio City, of course, nowadays is kind of the um, heart of brewing in Cleveland. It's, Absolutely. But it was also the hub of brewing in Cleveland prior to Prohibition. There were a lot of breweries within about a one-mile radius of 25th and Lorraine uh, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So we kind of start there in Market Square, and I uh, kind of point out where some of the adjacent breweries were, just kitty corner across uh, where, like, the plaza is um, on the southeast corner of Lorraine and 25th. That's where the Garing Brewery was. Okay. And then uh, we walk through the Great Lakes campus, and we point out that sign that you were talking <laughs> about. Uh, that was for the Lloyd and Keys Cleveland City Brewery with the... Uh, you know, uh, old stock Kennet and champagne yeah. ales or whatever I for family and medicinal purposes. That that, actually, that that was just an ad. They weren't located there at all. Um, oh, okay. I did not know that. Yeah, they were. I misunderstood yeah, that. That brewery was actually down on, I believe, West Tenth and Saint Clair in the Flats. Oh, okay. But also the uh, the Market Garden um, was uh, actually the location of the. It was just a market, correct? Market and bar. Yeah, you're talking Great Lakes. Yeah, it's the, the Market Market Avenue Tavern and uh, yeah, Market Tavern, yeah, yeah, Market Market Avenue Exchange and the uh, Feed and Seed Store. Um, so yeah, we kind of walk through the Great Lakes campus because, of course, their production brewery, uh, where they do all of their uh, all of their big beers, was uh, part of the Leonard Schlather Brewing Company. Um, and then the bus kind of picks us up after our little walking tour uh, at the back of the Great Lakes complex. We drive just a little ways up to Bookhouse Brewing, which just opened. And honestly, I've been waiting for those guys to open just to do this tour. I've been really excited <laughs> to see that they, they finally opened. I've been following that. It's, I, I really love seeing the, the yeah. wealth of, of breweries expand here. Yeah, and they're in the uh, they're in the former uh, Bear Brewery, which was open from about the 1870s to about 1902. So we talk about the Bear Brewery there, and uh, then once we're done there, we spend about 25 minutes there. What's really cool is like I kind of give a little narrative about the history of the brewery that had been on those premises previously, and then we bring one of the owners out to kind of talk about you know what the you know kind of what the vagaries of opening a new a brand new brewery in an old 
uh, old location is like. Uh, are they taking any inspiration in the beers that they're brewing currently from what would have been brewed historically in these buildings? You know, talk a little bit about any artifacts or interesting stuff they dug up in doing their yeah. build out, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so we do uh, we do book house and then we get back in the bus and we go down to Forest City, um, which, of course, is an a awesomely historic building. It was the home of the Atlantic Beer Garden back in the uh, 1860s. So there I get to talk a little bit about the history of uh, outdoor beer gardens in Cleveland, as well as the fact that there were actually three prior breweries in Cleveland history uh, with the Forest City moniker. Really? Yeah. Very cool. I learned something else new today. Yeah. I've uh, been learning a ton from listening to you. And then we uh, we take another little walk just down Columbus Avenue to the site of what uh, was once the Opman, later Phoenix Brewery. And then we get back in the bus and we do a little uh, sort of driving sightseeing tour along Train Avenue where a lot of breweries were once upon a time located on uh, what used to be a river, Walworth Run, which has since been culverted and turned into uh, it was actually the city's first sewer, uh, which is a whole other story. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I love to get into all the history. So we get to see the ruins of what had been the uh, Schneider later Union Brewery. We get to see the remaining uh, buildings of the Standard Brewing Company, famous for Aaron Brew, and uh, the last standing building from the Pilsner Brewing Company, famous for POC, at the corner of 65th and Clark. And uh, that's kind of our turnaround. And then our last stop is uh, actually getting a tour inside Platform's production facility, which is housed in one of the last remaining buildings of the Lysey Brewing Company, which was like the biggest brewery in Cleveland prior to Prohibition. I knew that their building had it's had some history to it. I didn't I didn't know that was the history to it. That's that's really cool. I've I, you know, there's still a lot of breweries I haven't been to here in Cleveland. There's so many. Uh, I still haven't been to Platform I, as crazy as that sounds. I've been meaning to go. My dad and I both love the love the brewery. Um, the, this is really cool. The, like the I, when I saw Mike from Market Garden gave my dad and I a tour for his birthday. He was telling me about the the where they, their production facility. It used to be like apartments and like, so some of the walls, yeah, like, it used there, to be a bunch of old houses used to be. There's like, they still have the brick walls from like the twenties or whatever it was. That That's really, that really gripped me when I first went through there and hearing that stuff, that that's the kind of stuff I really think that's what I really loved about your brewery tour. The bus tour is the history aspect of it. Cause that's what really grabbed me. And help me want to focus and, like you, know as much as I can about this industry. I literally started going out and buying as many books as I could about everything. What have I missed about the brewery, the the Cleveland, uh, the brew bus tour that I might have missed? Uh, well, I think, yeah, I think we got a little sidetracked when I was kind of given the basics. So, as I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's it tends okay. to happen. It's very, very conversational. It's great. Um, so yes, like I said, it's always three breweries per tour, uh, four approximately five ounce samples per location, uh, guided, uh, like a visit to the brew house, at least one location time to eat a meal at 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 least one location. We're currently working with about 25 breweries around, uh, Cuyahoga County. There's only a handful that we either mostly just haven't established relationships with yet. Um, but we have about seven different routes. Um, 
And within a lot of those routes, there's some variability. So you can go online, clevelandbrewbus.com. You can see the different routes. You can click on uh, like a view tour calendar button and see what we have laid out for like the next two, three months, see how many seats we have available. So you can either go based on, um, you know, just what date you have available in your schedule, or if you have a specific route that you're really interested in, you can see when we're running that. And uh, because within a lot of those routes, there is variability, um, you actually, when you make your booking online, can vote for which breweries out of the, you know, 10 or 12 or 14 that are available as part of that route um, that you are most interested in visiting in, visiting. And then I kind of do a little, uh, little democratic process. I kind of look at everybody booked and I see how the votes add up. And if there's clear favorites and they're available, we try to go to those. If say, so we have a 20 passenger bus. So let's say we have three groups and they're all about even numbers of people and they each have three totally different breweries that they're interested in. Then, uh, then I, I'll pick one out of each group's favorites. So everybody gets right. at least uh, one of their choices. And we group things either geographically uh, or thematically. Okay. So um, the route we run the most often is what we call our heart of the city route because we find that most people, you know, they're not, they're not as interested in wandering around the suburbs. You know, they're coming in primarily from the suburbs, so they want to check right. out the things in central Cleveland. Uh, so that route encompasses anything from, like, as far west as terrestrial okay. to as far east as Goldhorn. Um, so nice. basically, great west, yeah. Basically, West Seventy Fourth to East Fifty Fifth, and anything in between. So Ohio City, Downtown Flats, all eligible as part of that route. Uh, we have like an Ohio City and points west. So that kind of goes from Twenty Fifth as far as like Lakewood or here. Uh, we have a Downtown and points east that goes as far from like the flats as far out as like Bottle House, oh, uh, nice. Boss Dog, Cleveland Heights. Um, and then, like, our Saturday mornings are kind of cool because we do what we call our beer factories routes on Saturday mornings. Um, so every one of those, um, at least the first, third, fourth Sunday, uh, Saturday mornings of the month, those trips are always going to include a production brewery tour. Oh, nice. Um, so you're getting to see the whole big walking through the works kind of tour. So first uh, first. First Saturday of the month, that's always, uh, that's what we call our ambitious breweries route. Uh, that's places that are growing very aggressively. Uh, so we do the Market Garden production tour on that. We go to Fatheads and we wrap it up at Platform. Um, second, or no, excuse me, not second, uh, third Saturdays we do what we call uh, Cleveland Classic. So we do the Great Lakes tour on that one. Then uh, Fatheads and Brew Kettle, all places that are kind of established, kind of help to put Cleveland on the brewing map. Uh, and then uh, one of my new favorites is the one we're doing on the fourth Saturdays, uh, which is the route that we call Yes, We Can, <laughs> um, which, you know, focuses on places that put their product out in cans. Uh, so that one does the platform uh, production tour, which they don't really have an official tour program program yet, but we have a really great relationship with those guys. Nice. And they'll send somebody out to the production brewery to kind of walk us through. And we do uh, Saucy and Masthead as the other two stops on that. Very nice. And then I reserve the second Saturday of... Uh, second Saturday morning of the month um, for our small breweries, big flavor route to kind of make up for hitting the big beer factories on the other, uh, <laughs> on, on the other three Saturdays. So we have lots of different choices. Sundays kind of rotates around different routes as well. Plus we do the, um, in the warm weather months, we do the uh, history tours on the first and third Sundays oh, of the month. The haunted history tour coming up. Well, yeah, we haven't started that yet, but we're planning on doing, um, I've done a little thing with um, Lakeview Cemetery couple times in the summer in the past where uh they do all kinds of different tours based on kind of the famous people who are buried in there 
And so they do like a beer barons thing where they have like Lolly the Trolley and I stand up at the front of Lolly the Trolley and talk about all the uh, dead brewers who are buried <laughs> there. We go, we go around to their different grave sites. It's pretty cool. Interesting. Um, but there are just as many dead brewers in Riverside Cemetery and in Monroe Cemetery on the near west side. So uh, I'm going to independently do our own thing at those two uh, west side cemeteries. We're going to actually try to launch that the last Sunday of this month. Very cool. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to be here and, and talk with me uh, and, and really just give me the, the, the ins and outs of this. This has been really, really fun talk. Um, anything else you want to get out before I go? I can't really think of anything. Uh, I just want to make sure we cover our bases. Drink local beer. Drink local beer. Yeah, that's always important. And uh, if you are booking one of our tours, uh, keep in mind this is all about learning about local beer and lots of different beer styles. And uh, this is not a party bus. (laughs) That's uh, it's it's not the biggest struggle for us anymore. But once upon a time it was. So I always like to let people know that, like, yeah, we're gonna feed you plenty of beer and. If you wanna, if you wanna get some extra stuff on your own, like that's cool. But uh, if you're in it just to get wasted, like you know, you can you can get an Uber for that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Leslie, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you thank so you. much. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your night, and thank you all for listening. Have a great night. <laughs>